and welcome to the first episode of the LB Performance Podcast with me, your host, Lawrence Bourne. On today's episode, I will be interviewing my first guest speaker, Emmett Brennan. He is a two-time national elite champion and currently the number one light heavyweight champion of Ireland. He's two fights away from qualifying for the Tokyo Olympics, which have been rescheduled to 2021. Those qualifiers will resume in London in April. And Emmett's ultimate goal, from what you can definitely gather from this interview, is to represent Ireland in the Olympics. We discuss various topics, ranging from his background into boxing and how he got into it, to how his training has been affected and how his planning for peaking to competition has been affected as a result of COVID. And we get answers to the listeners' questions. Anyway, without further ado, here's the interview. Enjoy. And you will get my contact details at the very end of the episode through my special guest, who I hope you heard in the intro episode. Welcome to the, f- the first episode of the podcast. Um, just want to ask how you're keeping and how's things with you? Yeah, I'm good. As I just said to you there, I'm, uh, I have COVID, but I, um, I'm not symptomatic. I have zero symptoms. Um, I'm training from home at the moment, unfortunately. Obviously, I can't um, I can't socialize. I'll be in groups. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to take over and do whatever I can, making sure I'm staying on top of the things that I can control at the moment because obviously I can't get the the quality training inspired and that we actually do need at the moment. Mm. But I can still stay on top of the likes of my nutrition and like which will benefit me and actually probably help me recover from this a little bit quicker. Right. Okay. So I'm still I'm still in I'm still in high spirits um considering it's not the ideal situation. Nothing has been ideal as far as the last year. So <laughs> It's just sort of, yeah, you just sort of get used as it goes on. Yeah, that's actually it's something yeah. I want to, as I was saying to you before we started, I want to touch back on that mm. now later on in the episode. But for now, I suppose the people who are wondering exactly who you are, Emmett, now I would have, in my own experience of uh, obviously having previous contact with you, I would have worked with you in the past. Um, but the one thing I realized, the one thing I saw about you or noticed about you, I should say, is the same discipline, the same kind of passion and motivation that you would have for boxing. You'd ha- you you carried through that discipline into work an awful lot and you were very kind of, you, you loved your routine from the, from the looks of it and you loved being able to know where you are and how to do things well and everything else. And to be fair to you, you did that extremely well. But when it came mm-hmm. to the boxing, uh, if you could talk to me a bit about how like you started in it and how much that impacted your life and what, would, what were the, the positives that it brought you growing up? Um, yeah, I suppose like I started boxing when I was 10. Um, I was into every sport at the time. I was into football. I was into Gaelic. I'd done judo at one stage. Right. I think I'd done basketball in school. Yeah, just a mix of every sport. And my father, my father was the coach in the boxing club. He wanted to bring me down uh, when I was a little bit younger than that. But it just really wasn't for me. Um, but then when I got to 10, uh, my father brought me down anyway, and I just sort of loved it. I was actually I was quite good at soccer. Um, I was yeah, I was well being fairly decent at soccer, and that was what I loved. But like I got to like like it was like soccer was there, boxing was here. Mm-hmm. As the years went on, I just slowly like the soccer got a little bit less, the yeah. boxing got more. Yeah. And then I think I got to about fourteen. I packed the soccer in, um, fed with the boxing, but I just. I wouldn't say I was a troubled kid, as in I was getting into trouble with the police or anything along along them lines. But I probably would have lacking in confidence, and I wouldn't have been the most sociable kid. Mm. Um, 
And I suppose it just brought a little bit of confidence in me, made me communicate with kids a lot easier and just get along with people a lot easier. Mm. I suppose that's just being in a in a group training and with people, people uh, your own age. But then, yeah, I quit the quit the soccer about fourteen. What position did you play? If you don't mind me asking, <laughs> I played centre mid, and then I got put when I went to a new team. I started playing centre back, and I was actually really, really small. I only started to grow when I was about fifteen, sixteen. Late bloomer, was, like myself. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like maybe. I was like center. I was playing center back, and like people were towering over me. So <laughs> that's like that's probably where the box, the football took a little bit of a downfall. The boxing came up. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I started boxing serious. Probably well, I always took it serious, but like it became my passion and my soul sport around fourteen. But I, I wasn't great. I was. I was a very good trainer. Um. I was always like second best. I'd always get to an Irish final and get beaten. Right, like, okay. All all the way up the years, yeah. I I didn't win my first Irish title till I was twenty. Mm. Um that's still young enough most, in fairness though. Twenty years old is still yeah, is that was, would that was, be old in, in regard not old, but would it be kind of older than most title winners in boxing? No, or? it's not like so so up until seventeen, you only box in your own age group. Right. So mo- most people that's boxing when they're 20, like, there's a huge drop-off in boxing at 16, 17. Mm, mm. And it's mostly the people that stick at it are the people that have been winning Irish titles along the way because they have potential and they have a good future in the sport. Mm, okay. But it was just something that I stuck at. It was my passion. I loved it. Um, and I always wanted to be an Irish champion. But each year I got to an Irish final, I got beaten. I'd go back, I'd train again, I'd try getting the best shape possible. I'd go to the all Orleans the year after, I'd get to the final, I'd get beaten. And it was just like, it was just a, a circle, going around circles, literally year after year after year. Mm-hmm. And then I got to 20, I left the club that I was with. Um, I went to a different club. Um, I went there just because my coach from the other club left and went to a different club. So I was training with him full time for a year and I won my four stars title. Right. That was 20. Um, I think it was an under 21 title. And then the year after that, I won another Irish title again. That would have been the national intermediates. So there'd be there'd be three levels in boxing. That'd be mm. novice. Mm. That would be obviously novice people new to the sport, mm. probably under 10 fights. And then there's intermediate level. It's like the gap in between elite and novice, basically. Yeah. So you'd have your, you'd have either average fighters in there or really young, great fighters that's going on to elite and they're just using as a stepping stone. Hmm. So I won that when I was 21 and that's your stepping stone to go to elite then. So I moved on to elite and I didn't win another Irish title for four or five years. So there's a huge, a huge, huge gap in between that. I was immature as a 21-year-old. I was, wasn't physically or mentally developed to be an elite fighter. Um, although I thought I was at the time, looking back, I was way near. Um, drank a lot, partied a lot, mm. um, and then tried to do that on top of really, really high-intensity training. Mm. I was just born the candle, born the candle at both ends, and mentally wasn't strong enough to give up the to do what I took to be an elite fighter. 
it took me three or four years to to get to that stage. Mm. And um, one one question, actually. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you. The the um you mentioned before you won your your first title, you were kind of going around about and what what eventually what was so what was different that it eventually clicked for you when i was in my first club saint savers the me father's friend he wasn't actually my coach there he would he would have been a senior coach and i was just coming up to senior so he wouldn't have actually been my uh he wouldn't have been my full-time coach now i had some other great i had great coaches in that club but wherever i was when i went back to jimmy who was my coach still now Mm. He just managed to bring the best out of me. So I, I think I would have put it down to him. And as I said, the other coaches were great and they did get a lot out of me. But I think Jimmy just gets the best out of me. He's, he's great. Like He has great temperament. He knows exactly what to say and when to say it. Mm. He knows when to hold back. So I just I just think making the move with him and going full-time uh, boxing with him helped me usually. And like, he's still my coach to this day, so... Yeah, I just have, I have a great relationship with him. Deadly. So, and obviously that worked out for you getting the second title then. Was it uh, last year, was it? Or you're, you're technically the yeah, champion for so, this year. Yeah, so that I have four Irish titles. So them two, I have two elite titles. So that's mm. why I say two. Yeah, two two elite titles. I got my first one in 2017. Um, and then I got my last one in 2019. I went to New Club again. Dublin Docklands is the club I'm in now. And that's probably been the best move that I've made in boxing because I, w- I wasn't falling out of love with the sport, but the other club that I was in, there was a lot of negative distractions. It was sort of taken away from me boxing. I wasn't enjoying going training in that club. Um, so it was having a negative effect on me. And me and Jimmy went down to a club called Dublin Docklands. Um, so Jimmy would be my coach now along with uh, another coach called Philip Keogh. Um, two of them unbelievable trainers but that that man management is what probably separates them from other from other coaches that I've been with mm. they just they know how to deal with boxers so being in that club now about probably 16 to 18 no about 18 months a year and a half I'd say and it's just the happiest I've been boxing so I'm over the moon at the moment I see uh, obviously after your success when last year there now is a chance for you to qualify for the Olympics yeah. What before we go into the details about how things have changed for you with training and peaking for competition? What is the actual qualification process f- to get to the Olympics specifically? So there's two qualification um, tournaments. The first one is separated into continents. So everyone in my weight weighs into weighs in for the tournament. Uh, each country can have one representation in the tournament. Um, at my way, it's the top six in Europe. So you have to either get to the semi-finals or if you get beaten in the quarterfinals, you'll go into a box off with another quarterfinals that was beaten. And then the winner of that will go to the Olympics. So I have three fights and I have, I have to win three fights in them Europeans to qualify. I've won one so far. That was last March. That's and right. then the tournament got halted because of COVID, obviously. So that's going to resume again in in April, and I have to win two fights. It's, it's in reach and distance. Um, obviously, I haven't fought since that fight. Um, but a lot of other countries are in the same boat. So it's just who adapts the best, and who's after being living a good lifestyle. 
um, and not letting distractions get in the way over in that last year. So I've been, I'm happy with how I've dealt with it. So I'm reasonably confident that I will qualify. Brilliant. I'm actually extremely confident. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it now. I'm definitely going to keep an eye on you anyway as far as the, yeah. the fights are concerned because uh, even looking mm. at you and your training at the moment uh, now obviously the only thing we can kind of really see from each other these days is on Instagram um, yeah. but even like the look the like the looks of your training at the moment you seem to be doing one consistently and two the intensity seems to be there when you absolutely need to put the intensity into it and yeah. even even like your spar or not your sparring but even like your um your conditioning sessions when you're hitting your bag it's just the power that I see you hitting the bag with is just one. Mm. It's frightening. I wouldn't want to get into a fight with you. Uh, mm-hmm. And and secondly, it's uh, it's 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 you can just tell that you're really confident with the way that you're hitting. Mm. As I said, we have to adapt to the times that we're in now. Mm. Um, you can let a lot of the outside factors influence how you train or how how you get ready for a fight. Right now. All I have is the bag out the back and a few weights because I'm I'm at home training from home. So I still have enough there to get a good session in. I'm not getting the technical training that I need right now because I'm not with the with the lads, but I can still train my condition. Um so I'll use the heart rate month and I'll I'll just make sure I'm in the red zone an awful lot. Because I will be going back to the national team hopefully in two weeks once this is cleared up. So I don't want to be trailing. I want to hit the hit the road running, like hit the ground running. You were mentioning about the not letting the external factors hit you. Then uh, over mm. the, the, over this particular year, nearly a year now, obviously since your last fight, mm. and this kind of stands a lot for everyone really who's kind of in the same boat as far as letting the external factors in. You know, how have you created such positive habits over the course of the year? Look, I I like to stay in I like to stay in routine. So I'll start like I'll map out my day, what I'm gonna do have a time so I'll just I have a diary and I just write out what I'm going to do and I just feel like once something's written down there's a bigger chance that you're actually going to get to it hmm. now it obviously doesn't happen every single time but more times than not I do so I'm making sure I'm doing my mobility every day especially now that I'm at home doing nothing I'm sitting down a lot so I, I do need to be moving my joints just just trying to stay that little bit more mobile and flexible Um. And then I'll just I'll just write little things down, like make sure I get enough vegetables in today, make sure I get enough fruit in. Basically writing down the basics that I should be doing each day. And for me that works. I just create small little habits by doing by doing that. Um I'm actually reading the book, the, the Atomic Habits. I'm reading that book now. Mm. And I sort of pride myself on on good habits. And none of them are anything out of the ordinary that just basically wake up at seven do your mobility do a bit of reading have a good breakfast eat your vegetables eat your fruit get enough protein they're not something that any ordinary person cannot do but they all add up over time yeah i suppose and especially when you do so consistently as well it does as you say it does add up for you so to, to to go into the topic of covid and the effect it has on your training so for the listeners who might be curious about this, when you're, and I'm sure you know all about this now, Emmett, when you're setting up for a four-year plan to hit, hit, hit the Olympics or to try and get to the Olympics again, there has to be a plan in place. And typically with coaches, in my own experience of talking to them, they usually plan for that four-year Olympic cycle. 
the one thing about programs is they have to constantly be reviewed. Uh, they have to hope they have to be flexible in, in regards to having to change and adapt to different situations. So for you, for COVID, obviously last year was meant to be Tokyo 2020. So how has training changed for you from last year to this year, having to peak for last year, and then to be told, oh, actually you have to peak for next year instead. How has your training changed as a result of that? Um, I suppose like in boxing, you have to be you have to be adaptable either way because although I'm number one now, I wasn't actually always number one in the country and I wasn't always going to be the one that was going to be sent to the qualifiers. So a lot of the last four years, I have spent just grafting to actually get into that number one spot. I haven't been the number one until I got sent to the qualifiers. So I've always been number two or number three. And just fighting to get at that spot. I suppose what, what I'm saying there is that just I was adaptable and I was able to change along the way. And it's no there's no difference in this year. It's sort of it's sort of similar. It's just adapting to the circumstances that we're after being dealt with. The way I'm looking at it is most of the countries are in the same boat as us. Because mm-hmm. if you now I do obviously see some countries are fighting a lot, um, but other countries uh, haven't been fighting at all so I'm just using the extra and sorry I moved up away so I've moved from 75 to 81 mm. um, and I, that, I only moved there maybe four, six months prior to the qualifications right. so I'm actually looking at the I'm actually looking at the extra year as an advantage to me because that gives me an extra year to build into the way yeah, definitely. Kind of so, find yourself and everything. Yeah, that's a yeah. good idea. So I was a little bit too big for the light away. I couldn't, I was really, really struggling to make it. And it was affecting my performance and my lifestyle. I was constantly in bad humor, constantly being a bad person to be around. But then I moved up to the new way and I was only up there six months. I had only won international competition at the way previous to the qualifiers. So the, the the extra year probably does it gives it's an advantage to me. Mm. Um, although I've gone an extra year without fighting, I'm still staying in good condition. Yeah. So I, again, just try and look at the positive in every situation as well. Like if you if you are looking for the negatives, um, yeah. yeah and, and not, to be up, to be honest with you, as far as yeah. negatives are concerned, there's no point even talking about them because for you, yeah, no, you know where you stand with it, and you sound very confident in saying it all as well. Yeah, there's no point in dwelling on a negative. Like, yeah, exactly. You only have two choices: so either let it get at you or get over it. Um, and obviously, the latter choice is always the best. Mm. And then, yeah. when it comes to the mentality of the change with everything going on, I mean, was, was there a point in which you you thought? Oh, I have to hang on for another year to get to the Olympics. Or where where, where did it sit with you initially when you were told that the qualifications were getting cancelled in uh, last year, and then you had to wait another year for the Olympics? Yeah. So, like, obviously, the very start, we got told they were, we got told they were they were postponed. We got told, um, no, sorry, we got told the qualifiers that we were at was postponed. Mm. So I came back from London, is where the qualifiers were, and. I was naive. I thought they'd go ahead again in three or four weeks. I didn't actually realise how the circumstances that we were in, that they were that that heavy. Like, I was still trying away, thinking I'm going to be fighting in three or four weeks. 
and then obviously work came out with the Olympics that pushed off till next year. And initially, I was very, very, very disappointed. Um, because I'm I'm 29, I'm not young, and then I'm not I'm, I'm on funding now. But at the time, I wasn't on funding. It was just for me. It was an extra year of financially really, really struggling. And then on top of that, not knowing if the Olympics were actually going to go ahead. So like you have the thought in your head, are you actually going to struggle for another year not knowing that they're going ahead? Ultimately, I just want to be an Olympian. So it's always, it is always worth it. Is it, a, is, it, is it too cheeky to ask how far do you reckon you'd go in the Olympics once you get there? To be honest, I haven't, I actually haven't thought about it. I've only yeah. thought, step I step. only think about, me, I've only thought about my next fight. Mm. Like I actually haven't, I haven't looked at me drawer in the Olympic qualifiers. I only know who my next opponent is. I, I don't know who else I have to fight in that tournament. And that's Why do you all, think about it that way? All, um, one fight at a time. If you're looking ahead, you might actually get there. Hmm. Just fully focus on, on the small things and that's the person in front of you. Brilliant. Um yeah, Coming you don't you don't need to, you don't need to put your energy elsewhere. I'm just put, putting all my energy into this next fight. And then once that's dealt with, I'll look at the next opponent. And that's just the way I like to look at things rather than looking two or three fights down the road because you mightn't get there. You might actually you might actually look past this fella and he's solely concentrated on you and he gets the game plan right on the night and you're beaten. So yeah, I'm I'm just focusing my attention on this one fight. You were saying that they were rescheduled now to this year. So are they definitely going ahead in the, the next few months? Yeah, April twenty second to the twenty sixth. Again, you have to be adaptable. Nobody knows what is happening at the moment, but they sort of have to go ahead by then. They can maybe push it back to May, but they can't actually put it back any further because there's a second qualifier in June. So if you don't qualify in the first one, everyone else from the world goes into one qualifier. And I think maybe again it might be top four or top six, but that's in June. So realistically, the the continent qualifiers have to be done May at the latest. Right. Okay. And you were um, saying you were obviously two wins away from qualifying then, anyway. Yeah, but like they will do, they'll do a proper. They'll do it behind closed doors. Everybody will have to be tested. I'd imagine. Yeah, they they'll do it right. Do you think that there'll be a point where you have to go over and quarantine for two weeks prior to your fighting and create that kind of that bubble, if you will, where you just all stay in the same hotel and then go out to fight in the same arena? I would imagine that being the case, yeah. Maybe even three weeks beforehand. Mm. Um, I don't Daily know testing and stuff they'll... like that. Yeah, there'll have to be... Yeah, that's what we, we do anyway. We go into a bubble pre-Christmas before we had this big spike. We went to Italy, same thing. We were in a bubble before we went, got tested, and then got tested when we got to Italy again. So they do, they have the right protocols in place to keep us safe. And none of the boxers have actually got COVID while we were with the Irish team. Anyone that's got it have been away from the national team. See, something just occurred to me there when you were talking about that. And it just brought me back to what you were mentioning about you kind of being in your room, isolated for two weeks, focusing on Mm. keeping yourself busy. In my own head... The, the, the way that you guys may have to quarantine for a few weeks beforehand and even with everything going on with COVID, lockdown, not being able to leave your house, stuff like that. Does it give 
athletes in general. Now you can obviously keep it specific to boxers as much as you want, but do you reckon it keeps it very uh, keeps athletes locked into their training more so, knowing that they don't actually have anything else to do, or that there's no other distractions? Like they can't go out to the pub, they can't go out to the nightclub, they can't go out, you know, to restaurants and stuff like that. Do you think that that is happening at the moment with athletes where they're more locked in? In your experience, it's hard to say. Like when I've been away and I've been locked in my room, so I'm. I'm doing a degree in strength and conditioning at the moment, so I'm I'm taking a break at the moment just till till after the Olympics. But mm-hmm. so when we've been away, it actually suits me being back in the room and not being going out because I can get my college work done. Mm. Whereas beforehand, I would have been making excuses not to do it. So yeah, it, it suits me down to the ground. But the only thing is, when you're away in training camp, it can get very boring because you you're literally just there to train, go back to your room and rest and recover go off and train again like all you're doing is eating training and recovering it can get pretty boring but it's part and parcel of the game that's it it's the long term goal yeah. and the short term uh, yeah. sacrifices um, yeah like I enjoy my own company anyway so <laughs> I don't happy yeah. days <laughs> well and then I had a question actually from one of the listeners uh, previous to our recording of this um and I'm very curious about it as well because my my knowledge about boxing would be quite limited, being perfectly honest with you. So yeah. when it comes to general kind of training camps, and you'll forgive me for being such a, I've been looking into the media and news and articles and stuff like this recently mm. with this. In the UFC, I, obviously there's like training camps where that take place in with kind of a few months and the particular athlete who's going in for a fight will have his backroom team, and you know, as we've all heard. How does that, is that the same with boxing or does it, is it different as far as the buildup is concerned before a fight? Like what would be a normal, if there was a training camp, what would be a normal training camp setup for you going like in, going into a fight? So it's different. Like if you're with your club team or you're with your national team, um, they'd obviously be different. So if we're in a, if we're in a camp with a national team, we'd actually, so last time we were in Italy, um, so it was us, Italy and India. I think Finland were there as well. So four countries in a training camp together. And then you just have competitive sparring with them. Um, and then you do like you do all your strength on your own. You do well with your with your own national team. Mm. You do all your strength on your own, you're running on your own, and then you would either do sparring or a test matches. A test match is basically a fight without a decision. And you maybe in the camp you might have four test matches. So that just brings you right up to competitive speed. They'd be like like a friendly in soccer, I guess, yeah, before, yeah. before the tournament. So you might be on a camp, I would say, maybe four to two weeks out of a competition. And then you'll, you'll come back to Ireland, probably taper for a week. I know you train, sorry, you train high intensity for two weeks out. And then the last week we taper down and go into the tournament. What does the taper look like for you guys? So the, we keep the intensity quite high. The intensity would be high, just the duration of the sessions, uh, very, very short. Depending if you're, if you're struggling on weight, if people are struggling on weight, they'll have to probably lower intensity and longer sessions. Mm. Um, but yeah, just so you'd still maybe three rounds of, of pads, very, very high intensity. You warm up a little bit of shadow boxing and then a good kill now. Same with the bag. Sometimes we might do a 20 minute run or maybe 15 minute run. It'd be like 55 seconds really slow and then five seconds all out sprint. 
just say again the high intensity and then the loads not too much. And then coming up to the to the fight day, on, sorry, on on the fight day itself, do you depend obviously depending on the time of the fight? But if the fight was in kind of towards the afternoon or the evening time, would you do anything in the morning time to kind of break up the day a bit? I, I'm a try actually. You weigh in the day of the fight. Oh right, so okay. Not, yeah, so we weigh in, and then we might have three, four, five fights within that week. You have to weigh in the day of every fight, so it's not the same as um professional where you're weighing 36 hours before and you can carb load and whatever you need to do you're normally weighing first thing in the morning probably between seven and eight and then you go back refuel yeah I, if if i'm fighting i just try to keep my day as normal as possible as possible mm. I'll, I'll go straight back to bed after the weigh-in then i'll go up i'll go on a walk and um, do a bit of mobility during the day try to keep the joints loose eat normal um, and then fight that night it's yeah it's just I try to keep it as normal I don't try to do anything out of the ordinary um, like I've, I've never I don't really get nervous before I fight either so I just I try to keep the day literally as normal as possible talk I'd, with the family sit yeah. back relax look at telly do you know what I wish I was as chilled out as you were when I yeah. when I, I, I have an experience of um, middle mm. distance uh, middle distance running from a few years ago yeah and like that before I used to go into races it was just one of those things where I was so nervous coming up to a race but I was so I, I was very superstitious as well maybe call a routine mm. or superstition it's a, there's a very fine line but I remember I used to have I used to have to get the same pair of um, running shorts out running uh, running tights for warm-up the same running shoes, the same running socks. I had all this set aside the day before where it was just, that was my routine. And coming up towards yeah. the race morning, I used to just take, I used to know exactly what I was doing at particular times, having my breakfast at a particular time, maybe going out to the track in the morning just to come loosen up the body as you would have done with mobility and stuff mm. like that. And yeah, it was just, it's, it's crazy how, how locked in you can get when competition hits. And then when you, when you get into that zone, there's no other, feeling like it but i definitely think that getting into that zone as rare as it can be mm. it links back to all the prep that you've done beforehand both coming up towards your fight or your race and then the morning of as well with with uh with the prep as well but if i had yeah, to go in it, go it is sorry, yeah just on on what you're doing there it is good to have a routine mm. of course it's good to have a routine it's like you have a routine throughout your day you have a, a pre-race or a pre-fight routine as well in my warm up, I'd always have the same, the exact same warm up, and I'd, I'd always eat the exact same foods the day of a fight. Like I wouldn't change any food or anything like that. So again, it, it is routine, and it's what works for you, I suppose. Every exactly. person's different. If it puts you into the good yeah. mental health space before you get yeah. started with anything, it's it's it absolutely per, it's perfect for mm. you. You mentioned you were you went up to eighty five kilos. Do you find how how is sorry, that eighty one? Sorry, apologies. You were at seventy five yeah. and you went up to eighty one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Grant. Uh, how do you how do, uh, has that worked out better for you being at 81 kilos yeah usually because I wasn't really a 75 kilo boxer mm. I, in my head I thought it was I thought I could make the weight anymore as you get a little bit older it, it's harder to make weight I wasn't very very tall the weight but I have very very broad shoulders so that's what made the making the weight very tough for me but like literally the second I moved up I mean, everything improved I actually I moved up in weight and I got faster, which is strange because I was just, I was so drained at 75 kilos. I was getting into the ring, like fatigued. So I fought over in Ukraine in 
had the, the years are just flying by. Yeah, no, so it's going to take yeah. your time. <laughs> in, in 2019, I fought in Ukraine. So we have to weigh in every day, as I just said previously there. I was fighting at 75 kilo. I was getting out. Like, bear in mind, I fought like at half nine at night. So I was getting out of the ring at quarter to ten. I was 78.2 kilo. Just from so all had, the eating during the day and stuff, was it? Just from the eating and drinking during the day. And we body holding on to everything. So I had, what, 10 hours to lose 3.2 kilo. And then fight again the next fight again the next night. And then win win the next night and do the exact same thing for the next week. I was taken away from actually my performance by yeah. getting down to the lighter weight. And I just, yeah, I improved so much since I moved up. So it was the best decision that I made. You're probably enjoying having a few more calories every day now, are you? A few more calories and just like, like water. I wasn't even drinking water when I was making 75. Really? Was it like, that strict with with, with your with uh, your intake? I, I wasn't a 75 kilo box and I was trying to cut down to the weight. So I would have been really, really dehydrated at about 79 kilo. Uh, yeah. And I still had four kilo to go. Like, like I was actually walking, I was walking in Markwoods at the time. I That's was, right. I'd wake up, say, I always done the night shift, so I started at three. I'd wake up at like seven in the morning and train. Then I'd probably train again at about half twelve, and then I'd go to work. Mm. And I was probably having 2,000 calories. I was I was just born in the candle at both ends. That's, that was tough as well, because in the job that we were in, and just for the listeners as well, at the time mm. that myself and Emma were working, we were working together in a leisure center, which involved teaching classes, swim teaching, lifeguarding, cleaning duties, mm. etc., I know how that how how tough that can be on your body mm. after a certain period of time. So for you to do your training and then to also factor in work where you're physically active for most of the day, mm. that's that for two thousand calories. That's tough. It was see what what had happened was it would be like two thousand calories Monday to Friday, and then probably four thousand on Saturday and Sunday because I was just I was getting through the weekend and I was burnt out. I'd I say. I was born out and you're not I'm dehydrated again, so you mm. don't think right and you just literally binge on wherever you can. And it, it can actually become a, a an eating disorder if mm. you're boiling down to a weight that much. It does it plays on you psychologically. How long ago did you go up to eighty one kilos then? How long have you been up to that weight class? That would have been maybe August two thousand and nineteen. Right, okay. So the guts of a year and a half ago. Well, you're mm. obviously paying dividends for it now at this stage. Yeah, like so like I would go up. Like the highest I've gotten up to was eighty eight and a half kilo. And now right now I'm probably about eighty four, so it's only three kilo to lose in the next few weeks or months. Grant, so I suppose uh, pretty much pretty much everything I wanted to talk to you about today. Mm. Um but we're just gonna finish it off on a few questions from the listeners. Now there's a couple of good ones yeah. here for you. So the first one was what were what were the biggest sacrifices that you had to make to stay focused on for the just to qualify for the Olympics? And the biggest sacrifice I probably made, I wouldn't call it a sacrifice. Yeah, I would have made a sacrifice when I was just when I moved up to eighty one kilo. There was a national championships in November. We were in August. I had the six hundred euro in my bank, and I quit the market for three months mm. and took a loan out of credit union. So I literally, I financially crippled myself because I was broke from boxing. I, I had nothing. So what? What before that? What I did was I would walk as much as I could in Margaret, and then I take probably six weeks off to train. I'd go through all that money, and it was just a cycle of that. So 
So actually, yeah, I quit work, took a loan now. It was a gamble that I paid off for me. But I knew if it didn't pay off, I was I was snowboard. <laughs> and yeah. uh, would there be anything else on top of that? I go back to lifestyle, like so. I I wouldn't say I didn't have a drink problem, but I love the weekend. Twenty twenty years of age to twenty five years of age, I love the weekend. Like mm. I loved it, and I tried. Like I I knew it wasn't right what I was doing. I was drinking every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but I loved it. I when I got to like twenty five, I came back to boxing. I was like. Look, you only have one chance at this. It has to stop. It took a long time to stop that that lifestyle. But once I changed that lifestyle and got dedicated, boxing just took off. Well, when you when you finished up the uh, when you when you won your your national title then in for twenty twenty, mm-hmm. uh, what was the first thing that you had? You ate or drank after you finished, after you won the fight? Uh, I had a snack box. <laughs> yeah, I had a snack box. Yeah, I have a, a photo over on my Facebook. It's uh, the snack box inside the. I actually have the trophy here. I have a hat and it. What was the snack box inside of that? Oh, that's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, so that's the first thing I had out of that. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, so... Uh, I, hold, I hold me hats now. <laughs> <laughs> the next question I have, like, what would be a normal training week for you and including your nutrition as well? So with the national team, we're up there Monday to Friday. We're out in Abbottstown and Blanchestown. So... It's two sessions Monday and Tuesday, one session Wednesday, two sessions Thursday, one session Friday. So you'll have five boxing sessions in that week. And then boxing sessions will range from sparring. We normally spar on a Friday. That would be really high intensity competitive sparring. Then two other days we'll do... Now, one other day we'll deal with technical, technical, tactical sparring, which is just like drills and like a lot of blocking defensive movements, attacking movements. But you know what the other person is going to throw. Mm. So you're just trying to basically work that um, muscle memory. And then two days we'll do another thing called uh, skill combat. And that's probably worse actually than competitive sparring. It's it probably maybe eight to ten rounds again. It'd be drill, so I could be, I could be attacking the other person's defending. Next round, I might only have a me jab hand. He might be allowed to go with any punch he wants. So again, you're getting put in really tough circumstances. Yeah, and you have to find a way to adapt and deal. With it. And then we'll have one other day of bags and pad work. So that'd be the five boxing sessions. Then we'll have two S and C sessions and one run session. Then normally on a Saturday, I would either go down to my boxing club, me yeah, my own club, and do a light session, or else I'll do a mobility and core session. And then when you, when it comes to planning out your week of training, then what's the first thing that you what the first couple of things that you would look at as far as setting up your training week is concerned? From if I was with the national team or if I was away from the national team. I imagine with the but national it, team, you probably that, that that will be set up for you as such. That's everything set up for you. They have yeah. your field ready for you after training. Yeah, they have they do the sessions themselves, they make them out. So right. I suppose like if I was with the club, I suppose the biggest thing is my meals in between the sessions mm. is where I'd be looking at because I'd I'd have to cook them physically myself. So if you just staying on top of hydration, um I only live five minutes from my boxing club, which is a gift. Uh so there's not much travelling in between. If you're just making sure I'm staying hydrated and staying well on top of my nutrition and not doing anything stupid in between training sessions 
nice get one. get the rest in between the sessions because we do we do double sessions so they're quite uh quite taxing on the body Emmett, that's a uh, that's everything man thanks yeah, very much for uh, thanks Lawrence. oh thank you for like the, again much. first episode it was an absolute pleasure to have you on mm. um i suppose if you if anyone wanted to get in touch with you i don't know if you are welcoming any contact at all but yeah, like no, how would they reach you if they if people wanted to get in touch with you uh, i think i'm you know emmett brennan that's what one t and the emmett uh on instagram and facebook brilliant um on twitter as well but on very, very inactive on it. <laughs> <laughs> Emmett, listen, that's it was more, an absolute... That's just more for announce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's fair yeah. Yeah. Listen, thanks very much for coming on, Emmett. Yeah. Really appreciate your time. And um, I, I speak on behalf of, I'm sure, all the listeners, and I say best of luck on your last two qualifiers, yeah. and we'll all be keeping yeah. a keen eye, keen eye on you, and no doubt now you'll go all the way. And uh, I, yeah. on, knowing you on a personal note, I honestly wish you the best of luck. Fair play to you. Thanks very much, Lawrence. Appreciate it. All right. Good chatting to you. And that is the first episode. If you've come this far and you've enjoyed that talk with Emmett, and indeed you're looking forward to future episodes with some guest speakers and indeed my own solo episodes, give us a follow. At the moment, I'm on Podbean. To finish up with this first episode, I would like to, again, reintroduce my daughter, Aria, to give you guys the contact details, and I will see you in the next episode. If you want to talk to my daddy, go and in. Email and Instagram. His Instagram is lbbeformance and his email is coach at lbbeformance.ie. See you in the next episode. Bye bye.